Area, the podcast from WFMU and the Free Music Archive. Jason Siegel here with you playing the hits. We started off with new music from Debmaster from a new uh, free release on the Cock Rock Disco label run by Mr. Jason Forrest, aka DJ Donna Summer. Debmasters collaborated with the likes of uh, Cursive Dialect, Thavius Beck, Subtitle, and this new album is called Gross Mutter. We heard the second track, Clap Your Head. And uh, in the background, an instrumental track from Yacht, from the Sea Mystery Lights instrumental version. This is I'm In Love With A Ripper. And right now we're going to get into a little interview, as we often do here on Gray Area, with Dave Haynes, who's Vice President of Business Development for SoundCloud, a great um, audio hosting website, soundcloud.com, doing so many good things. And uh, he also is the founder of Music Hack Day, where a bunch of developers get together to try to solve the problems in the music industry through technology and just do cool cool things with open source code and uh, Dave Haynes is also one of the founders of Open Music Media which hosts free open music industry 
tech-related discussions. And they hit New York City on November 9th for a free discussion on music discovery humans versus hackers. And that's where I had the chance to uh, pin him down for this interview that we're about to hear at the bar formerly known as The Robots. So without further ado, let's get into that and more, much more music on the way. Stay tuned. So we were here at this event that you organized for Open Music Media, which is one of, one of a lot of different projects that you're involved with. And Yeah, that's it. I mean, Open Music Media is really great. Um, the whole idea of Open Music Media is to get lots of like-minded people from the music and web and technology world together just to talk about different issues that are like affecting those industries and and uh, yeah, just bring people together and it's very informal, it's very relaxed, um, but hopefully a really good conversation. And um, tonight we had a conversation with Brian Whitman uh, from the Echo Nest and Anthony Bullock from the Hype Machine, just about music recommendation and whether um, like whether humans or like computers can actually do a better job of recommendation. And yeah. I think the jury's still out, but it was a very interesting conversation. Well, to me. It, it kind of seemed like they're both doing things with both humans and computers and mixing in different ways with the Hype Machine and with Echo Nest. I mean, the Hype Machine kind of privileges these 1,000 or so blogs that, that are indexed by the Hype Machine, which is a MP3 blog kind of search engine. You can search for MP3s, and, yeah. and then they have all sorts of different ways to connect you towards new music that you might enjoy based on social listening statistics, and the Echo Nest was more, uh, well, they do the digital fingerprinting, which is really neat. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think ultimately the conclusion was that it's a, a real mix of the two. Like, um, like humans are always going to be able to recommend music better than machines, but like hopefully machines can actually augment what the humans are doing, if that makes sense. So, you know, in in the way before we had we had these like limited amount of gatekeepers who were really the people who could say, you know, this is what we think you should listen to. Like technology has suddenly opened that up, so you have all these different amount of people who are like okay, well, we can recommend you music, but technology is like helping them to do that in a certain way, um, which is a really interesting place to be. So. so part of what you're here in New York doing, as I understand, is you know you work for SoundCloud on the business end, yeah. and you're, you're kind of like working with, with labels who are starting to find the values in, in these new technologies that people in SoundCloud are developing and people are kind of riffing off yeah. of with uh, Music Hack Days. and. Um, it's interesting that we were just downstairs listening in, in the bar here at this event to you know Metallica and Justice for All and thinking about how far we've come from the point of uh, Metallica kind of fighting Napster and the music industry fighting new technologies. Yeah. So I'm wondering kind of what, what parts of, uh, you know, whether it's SoundCloud or different things that people are coming up with at Music yeah. Hack Days are finding the music industry yeah. is embracing. Well, I think, I think the, the, the really interesting thing is that like maybe 10 years ago, there was the music industry and they were doing what they knew like for the last 20 to 30 years. And now they've lived with this like massive change in technology. So for example, 10 years ago we had Napster and all of a sudden that completely changed the music industry. And now 10 years later, like we're going through a similar like technical change, but I really believe that all of the, the, the companies that are in the techno, uh, like kind of more web orientated and like technology space, they're not working against the music industry, they can actually work with the music industry. Uh, we were talking today at Open Music about music recommendation. Well, like the, 
the labels can work with these new companies to like find new ways to recommend music to new people and, and find new audiences. So um, I think it's a really exciting time um, and one where technology is a really influencing factor, but it's not it's not just for technology's sake it's also you know the music labels can really tap into like what we're doing and, yeah, and it was help their business ultimately it's interesting tonight when uh you know we were asking who who here is from a, a record label and there's somebody from a major label and kind of raise their hand and say there's a way to kind of put your content in front of those sites because when i think of hype machine i think of a site where i get a free mp3 right and i go there and i search and i'm like does hype machine have it yeah and maybe they do, maybe they don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there, there's definitely that. I mean, the I think the technology is like changed, like changed the things that the music industry has to think about. So it might be that you have a track on the hype machine, but actually, there's people within the labels who are, that, that's part of their job. They need to make sure that the the new track they're promoting from a new band is in the hype machine top 10 yeah. because that's really important otherwise it doesn't exist to yeah, a certain set of people that's the way that, that people discover new music so um, they're you know if, if we can get to a position where the labels are working with these companies and hopefully it can be beneficial for everyone do you, do you worry at all about these companies like what if you know what if a company let's not name any name started to privilege one kind of music over another do you worry about that um, how do you mean? Well, you know, in the old days we had the major labels and they were saying like, this is the band everybody's got to care right. about. And, you know, what if now that's the hype machine? Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's... Um, e- even if the hype machine is more based off of what people are actually into. Yeah, definitely. Well, but, I mean, the I think it's it ultimately comes down to the different gatekeepers. So before you had all these different gatekeepers, like... You know, there, there was one guy at like the radio station who got like, and decided what to like got got played. Um, mm-hmm. There was one guy who decided what reviews to in the magazine. And I think nowadays you just have lots of different gatekeepers. So hype machine is an important gatekeeper for one you know type of music. Um, and there's going to be different people who are going to be recommending music to different people uh, for different tastes. I mean, for example, I have a Spotify account. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that I rec- uh, like I get recommendations of music and how I discover music is I can log into my Spotify account and I can see, because they have an integration with Facebook, I can see all the people who are in my like Facebook friends. If they have a Spotify account, I can see the playlists that they're building, etc. So it's, it's interesting you brought up Spotify, which, of course, here in the U.S., you know, we don't have accounts available. It's yeah. available, what, in the U.K. and yeah. in Sweden? Is that it? Uh, actually, I don't really know enough about that. I mean, it, but Daniel Eck from Spotify, he's a very visible presence, and mm-hmm. it's it's this, uh, we actually had somebody asking a question tonight saying, you know, people aren't going to be buying music in the future, yeah. and what, what services like Last.fm are going to be doing with their buy links right. is instead pointing people towards a service like Spotify that's just mm-hmm. all of this music on demand mm-hmm. that you pay a subscription fee yeah, and like, I mean, for, for me, ultimately, I, I pay £10 per month to Spotify. So, you know, I'm like, that's how I now like buy and consume and listen to my music. I don't happen to own that music, but I have I have a subscription to Spotify. But but that means I'm paying over a year, I'm paying £120, you know, to the to the music ecosystem, you know, that, that, that that's money going in. And I might not have necessarily bought 10 CDs for that year. So, 
Um, I think I think um, I think services like Spotify have a really good like they're they're really in tune with people with how people want to consume their music nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important that the music industry keeps up with the the technolo- technological advances and actually thinks about well what. What do the people really want to like? How do they want to consume the music? How do they want to get their recommendations? And then, like, makes the best of that as possible. But I mean, personally, I love I love Spotify. I have it on my iPhone. I have it on my my desktop. Um, and that's where I that's where my my main my main music collection lives now. Is in my Spotify playlist. So so you're not collecting vinyl or cassettes or well, anything these I, days. I I used to um I used to be a DJ. I used to own a yeah, record shop. I, so yeah. So I, I actually have in my in my loft I have like untold amounts of vinyl and I almost feel a oh bit man. bad that I'm I'm neglecting them. But um, ultimately it's just down to convenience. Uh, yeah. It's more convenient for me to just be able to search and listen to all this music um, than have to go out and like, you know, I used to really get a thrill out of buying, buying vinyl. Um, but yeah, nowadays it's a switch to Spotify. You're not buying into the, the vinyl revival that's... Uh, certain, uh, no, no, I, yeah, I buy are. into the vinyl revival. I mean, it's, I still... You're not buying into it. I do, I do buy some seven inches, um, and I think there's a lot to be said for the, like, you know, that when there's a piece of music that's been released in seven inch, and you've got, you know, one of those 500, like, copies that has been hand-printed, and, you know, Scarcity. If, you're a, if, if you're a fan of the band, and, like, I, I also, um... Uh, I went to a, a concert recently and like, I paid for the concert and I've only ever listened to their music on Spotify I've never bought the CD but I also bought the sheet music the concert ticket you know I'm, I'm totally sold into that in, into that artist so oh, the sheet, you know, sheet music yeah, the, for, I, I, yeah I bought the sheet music what, what do you play? Uh, well this was a, this was a, an, an act uh, well an artist called Dustin O'Halloran and uh, he's a pianist so I play the piano so I bought the sheet music because That's, I want to... And he yeah. was selling it at the concert. Yeah, he was selling it. Yeah, it was at South by Southwest. He um, played at this church in Austin. And yeah, so I spent like how $15 on, on the sheet music. Oh, that's that's a very interesting return to what used to be part of the core of the music industry was people yeah, buying well, yeah, sheet music yeah. so they could reproduce that music at, yeah. at their homes and now we have yeah. recordings exactly. and of course but I mean that's that's one thing that, would, that we really believe in uh, at SoundCloud is that actually people want to create music they don't just want to like listen to it and consume it but they actually want to create and, and participate in music as well yeah well, SoundCloud's an amazing service and I, whenever I, I just think it's doing so many things right yeah, cool. Uh, Thank you. And and part of what's what's interesting about SoundCloud is this idea of freemium that like mm-hmm. it's free for anybody yeah. to upload mm-hmm. a certain amount, and then it, at a certain point, you know, you're obviously hosting costs money. Like even though the service appears mm-hmm. free when you go to yeah. download a track from SoundCloud or mm-hmm. listen, there are costs to yeah. the company hosting all this music. And so has that always been part of the SoundCloud yeah, model, or, yeah, or was it completely free, like unlimited? No, 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 no. We, ne- we never had, has like, been. So very, what? Very early on, we like introduced that business model because we. We believe that like sharing your audio is something that's actually really valuable to people. You know, if, if you're a creator of music, it's actually a, like you get a lot of value back, not just in selling it or you know, you know doing whatever, but there's a lot of value in just like sharing that. So, for example, so, I just mentioned I, I I play the piano. So, part of my SoundCloud account is that I record myself playing the piano, and then I upload that to my SoundCloud account. And the first bit of value that I get is actually just being able to listen back and, and like get feedback from people. 
and but then also being able to share that with my family or like you know putting it on my Facebook page and getting mm-hmm. feedback on that on that particular creation. Mm-hmm. Once the user is actually really getting a lot of value out of SoundCloud, then they can upgrade to get a, a SoundCloud uh, premium account. That's that's it's such an interesting model to me, and it's you know because at the same time as you're working for SoundCloud, you're also promoting all of these really open conversations like tonight, where you're not advocating right. any. Other than wearing a SoundCloud shirt, which yeah. I, I guess you do every day anyway. Yeah, well, kind of, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, but you're not you're not advocating like any sort of company over another. It's just it's just conversations about well where music is heading, and then in a similar fashion at Music Hack Day, it's not privileging yeah. a certain company's product. It's just like what can we do with this technology yeah. that that can be tweaked and it's open source. And yeah, exactly. And, and with both Open Music Media and Music Hack Day. If everybody can get together and have a conversation about you know how the music industry should be in the next couple of years, then that's going to be a really beneficial conversation to have. The same with Music Hack Day. If, if all the developers can get together and like you know be in direct contact with the the, the the companies that have APIs and you know are building the platforms with which they can build upon, then that creates a lot of value for everybody. And you know hopefully we can. Everybody can change, and like everybody can build things that are like of value for everybody else. It, it sounds a bit kind of utopian, but that's, it is a little that's the bit. theory. Yeah, and then SoundCloud's behind it all, making well, power. No, I mean, you know, the, like the SoundCloud plays an important part. You know, something like Music Hack Day, it's um, it's really great because anybody can turn up. Like, if you're a developer, you can turn up. If you're a company that is involved in that space, you can be involved. Um, for SoundCloud, it's really great because we have a, an API and we really encourage developers to build applications on those APIs that are then really beneficial for our users. How do some of these things that people build in Music Hack Day then get incorporated? Is there like a couple examples you want to um, highlight? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of really good examples. There was um, one really early on in the Music Hack Day that happened in Berlin. Um, a guy who has actually ended up being a full-time employee of SoundCloud he built a really great application called Tracks on a Map, which basically mashed up um, all of the latest tracks on SoundCloud. He could work out the location of the user because that's something that they provide with us when they upload their music. Um, and then he could overlay all of the music on Sa- the latest music on SoundCloud onto a Google Map. So you could say, right, okay, I want to listen to dubstep and then see a world view map of like where all that dubstep is being uploaded from. So where it's been up uh, wow, so where yeah. the artists are from. Yeah, so you can be like, oh okay, great, there's it looks like there's a really great dubstep scene in Bristol because that's where the latest ten tracks have been uploaded or something like that. So um, well, we've cool. had quite a number of applications that have been built specifically for SoundCloud at the Music Hack Bay. Um, but it's not just that, it's it's all the different companies involved. There's been some really amazing hacks. Um, like using, for example, there was one um, called Earth Destroyers that a guy from uh, uh, from the Echoness built called Paul Amir. And he actually, he was able to take um, gig listings and then plot an artist's uh, gig listings on a map and say, right, okay, well, it was a carbon-efficient tour. So you could you could see, okay, so I think it was something like Lady Gaga, like it's someone like Bon Jovi. how they're traveling? Yeah, but Bon Jovi had like done one tour in London and then one tour in Hong Kong and then one in like America. So it was just like okay. all these like long-distance flights in between, that's like... So, something that keeps coming up that here in the, in the digital era, you know, after Napster kind of opened up the distribution models that uh, the music at the top of the chain there's not this bottleneck that's saying this is the music you need to be listening to, and um, so I find it even with this kind of long tail 
find it surprising and, or just kind of interesting that I guess I guess you were saying like like SoundCloud it gets to obviously a lot of people using the the site on kind of the smaller you know getting getting a good amount of, of traffic but then the by far the most uh, popular track was this like Justin Bieber kind of remix 800 times slow I mean that was that was quite fun that was like you know that was a kind of classic internet mem that just yeah. that, that just took off and the, the really great thing about that is you know we saw that go from you know half a million to one million to two million plays um, that was interesting to see like you know most of those mems come out of you know a platform like YouTube for example where you know there, there's been a number of those cases so it was really interesting to see that happen on SoundCloud um but for us, you know, it was, it was really important that, that Justin Bieber himself, you know, he was, for him, that was actually a really great thing. And they actually came out and said, you know, this is this is something that, you know, we improve and we endorse. And uh, I mean, were you guys worried that you would have to, like, take this, this obviously really great piece of music and, you know, also a very popular piece of music down at some point? Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, that wasn't that wasn't a decision for us to for us to make. Um, you know, quite early on, um, uh, Justin Bieber came out and actually tweeted and said, "Oh yeah, you know, there's this like really amazing thing." And I think the the interesting thing about that is that nowadays, if you're a if you're a music artist, then you need to be um, you know you need to be present on the web. You need to like like all of these things actually like help you achieve your end goal you know? right so rather than saying like this is my stuff that you're messing with and I own it and you have to pay me to do this yeah who's recognizing some value in that yeah and but 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 the good thing is it's it's totally it's totally the artist's choice you know they they can say yes this is a good thing or, or this isn't a bad thing and you know in, in this case you know like um, they were like okay well this is fine you know this you know this is this is actually a good thing so so you you know you were saying you're a, you're a DJ, you're a musician, you run a label. Um, is, is that still active, by the way? Uh, Are you kind of? Well, I mean, you're a, you're a super busy guy. You're doing SoundCloud. Yeah, you're doing Music Hack Day. You're yeah. here and doing open music media event. Yeah. And, and, well, the, the 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 label in theory is still going, but um, it's not something that's active. I, I would well, kind if, of if if you know you you probably made a lot of observations about how the music industry works, yeah. kind of through you know what what would be your advice to somebody operating a label or an artist these days? Yeah. Because to me, it's like it's like we have all these great distribution models, but how do we get from the point of like putting an MP3 online to having to take off the way that like right. Justin Bieber 800 times slow right, or yeah, something? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say the first thing of all, like if you're if you're someone who creates music, I really genuinely believe there's there's never been a more exciting time to create music. Yeah, I agree. You know, if if you're doing something like innovative, if you're like the the power is in your hands to go and find your audience and connect with that audience, and and that's just not been possible before. You know, when I ran a label we were really in the hands of these certain gatekeepers, you know, we'd have to get a review from a, you know, a magazine or we'd have to get played by a certain DJ on the radio. And I think if you're creating music nowadays, you've got so much more flexibility to, first of all, be able to, like, create that, like, piece of music, but then actually go and find and, like, connect with your audience. Um, I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do, but, like, the power is, like, ultimately in your hands to do that. So... Um, I, I would, yeah, in a way, I'd really love to go back to my label roots and, and be doing that thing again. 
but from with this new perspective. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure at some point you'll you'll get back into that, and yeah, but you've got maybe. a lot of work cut yeah. out for you in the Let's meantime. See. Doing yeah. a lot of good work. Uh, yeah. Dave Haynes with SoundCloud Music Hack Day, and here with Open Music Media. Uh, let us know when you're back in New York doing another yeah, one of these. Events. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been really great to talk. Yeah, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you.
listening to WFMU. This is the sound of surface noise from, uh, oh. <laughs> let's get back into that. A great album called File Under Toner by an artist named File Under Toner. The album This Is The End, Beautiful Friend. File Under Toner is the alias by Anki Toner. And, uh, yeah, it's the sound of 
a record coming to its end. Mostly vinyl records, some rare forms. Actually some cardboard records on here, and then they're digitally processed. And uh, when you originally posted this to the internet archive, he also listed the source of each track, which included records by Michael Jackson, Lou Reed's uh, Metal Machine Music, John Coltrane, The Beach Boys, and James Brown, all sorts of other well-known artists. So this project was removed from the Internet Archive at first until it was posted without any of that context, which I think is pretty essential to understanding thinking about this, this project, but it's good music too. Good sounds. And it's also available on the Free Music Archive curated by uh, Audio Overplay, who ask, is it possible to copyright this sound? Before File Undertoner, we heard from Kraus out of New Zealand with a new record pressed in an edition of 300 LPs by the dilettante Courtois label. The record's called Faster Than the Speed of Time. We heard the track Beloved Girlfriend, one of two tracks from this record, available for free previewing from freemusicarchive.org. We heard from Stealing Orchestra prior to that. Um, they are the Portuguese group behind the You Are Not Stealing Records net label, which was recently introduced to the Free Music Archive and is chock full of incredible sounds. Last week we heard from Gigi Allen's word that we can't say on the radio, but the sounds really range from uh, metal to classical to classical metal and everything in between. Fascinating stuff to dig into. We started off with Spin a Face off of Music for the People. That's his 2010 free Creative Commons album. The track Dansu Gasuki is what we heard. Spin a Face also recently a guest on Marty McSorley's radio program here at WFMU. You can download that as well as his two Creative Commons albums from the Free Music Archive. And when I first heard of Spinaface, I'll admit I was skeptical. I mean, he's got this thing where his face is a spinner. Or he's got a spinner for a face, and his face is a... Well, check out the uh, the album art there. It may be a gimmick, but it's good music, too. Speaking of music, let's get back into it here. Um... But I do want to say a big thank you to Dave Haynes for those of you who caught the interview with Dave Haynes of SoundCloud Music Hack Day. 
and open music media. There are links in the playlist to find out more about all of these uh, great projects. And I'd love to hear some feedback from you all if you want to leave a comment in the playlist, or if you want to send me an email, jason at freemusicarchive.org. This will also be included in the Gray Area podcast. music from the Free Music Archive and interviews about some of the issues that we hit on. But yeah, seriously, the show's called Talks Cheap here, so let's get back into the music with the new one from Dan Melchior. Yeah. 
because I'm entitled to it. Because I'm entitled to it.
listening to music from the Free Music Archive here. That there, a track from the Just Like Music Records compilation presented along with Apple Juice Break titled Oscillations Part 2 came out earlier this year. It's a free Creative Commons release. That track by 8Bitch was called In the Mood for Love. Before that, Boodle Boy from a self-titled new album. This is a collaboration between Edley O'Dowd and Brian Dahl. Edley O'Dowd, uh most recently at WFMU with Genesis Briar P. Orridge and Tony Conrad for a live improv performance on Fabio's show. And he's also the drummer and co-producer of Psychic TV, who are going to be playing a WFMU-sponsored show on December 9th at Europa. And Brian Dahl, the other uh, member of Boodle Boy, is going to be opening with his project, Fourth Sign of the Apocalypse. More details on that if you follow the info in the AccuPlayers of the show. There's a link. Or you can just Google Psychic TV WFMU Europa. It's a cool venue in Brooklyn. Last time I went there, I had a lot of lard at a local Polish food establishment. Uh, oh, did I tell you this is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope? Worldwide on the World Wide Web at WFMU.org. Before Boodle Boy, we heard from Jay Tholen out of Florida with this new album that he calls An Honest Expression of His Love for the Gospel. This was the track Hashivenu, and it was actually featured by Free Music Archive contributor True Chip Till Death for its chip music elements, but it's a real uncategorizable record released on the Ubiquitune label. been putting out some good stuff and thank you to true chip till death for the tip on that thank you to rob weisberg for the tip on sibirskaya vikora who we heard prior to that their uh 
Russian folk music group. We heard the title track to their album that translates to My Musical Instruments Carved Out of Wood, and it's a free release made available on the Free Music Archive just yesterday from this folk ensemble founded in the year 2000 in Krasnoyarsk, Russia with a repertoire that consists of traditional music from Siberia and folk music from throughout Russia. Virus database has been updated. Oh, we gotta turn that thing off. <laughs> um, Montañas, a group from Spain introduced to the Free Music Archive by the La Bisogno Radio Collective hailing from Asturias and this group Montañas they have a new 7 inch that you can actually download for free it's got 6 tracks we heard the opening Andrin with some Jaws harp I was talking yesterday about the origin of that name Jaws harp slash Jews harp which I guess is offensive talking with uh, Kurt Gottschalk and his guest Jen Shiu about the origins of that word. I guess it came from the fact that you, you need juice in your mouth to play that harp, and juice became Jews. That is messed up, but it's a cool, cool instrument, and a cool, cool word. So we heard some Jaws harp, Juice harp, whatever you want to call it, in that Montañas track, Andrine. New music from Dan Melchior before that. Dan Melchior Undas Menes. Uh, he was going to release this new album, Catbirds and Cardinals, and yes, he already has released, uh, you know, one, maybe two, maybe two. Well, a few 7 inches already this year. He's got a great new album out on SS Records that came out just a couple months ago in September. But this man is prolific. So this uh, Catbirds and Cardinals, he was going to release on one label. Things didn't work out, as sometimes happens. He contacted us, said, hey, could, could I post this to the Free Music Archive? just want to get it out there and move on to the next thing and uh, so we posted it about 10 days ago and posted the full album but I think like the same day we posted it he made a deal with this label uh, Northern Spy they're a new label from some folks from ESP disc who, who sort of masterminded the ESP disc revival They've started this new label, Northern Spy, and they're going to issue that full thing on vinyl. Because when we posted the MP3s, people were saying, this is great, but where's the vinyl? Somebody's got to do this. So Northern Spy is going to. But unfortunately, the full album is no longer available for free, at least until uh, the unveiling of this release. There are still three tracks up there, and they're all really, really good. 
especially like that track English Shame, Don't Think It's Radio Safe. So we heard the opening track, Summer in Siberia, from Dan Melky or Undas Menace. And, uh, yeah, the file undertoner stuff before that. In the background, we've got Lenny417 with uh, Bisque Cops Garden Nightlife. We also heard from Lee Rossevere, the song Stormbox in the background just moments ago. And the Sixth Sense beat, future music. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening. This has been Gray Area, a podcast from WFMU and the Free Music Archive. It's an excerpt of my weekly radio show on WFMU with all music that you can download for free from freemusicarchive.org. My name's Jason, and I want to thank you for listening. Thank you to Dave Haynes for coming on to talk about SoundCloud Music Hack Day and open music media, all very positive forces in this world that uh, check out if you haven't already. And in the background, this track is uh, Orchestra de Pio Pires from Portugal with Festival Cantigas do Mayo. Oh, and it's over. All right, I'll see you next week.